Hello and welcome to another episode of Lectures of Fallen Wisdom. I am joined today by a listener. He was on last week. His name is the Immortal Bandit, Jordan. Jordan, are you there? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. So last week we had a pretty long discussion and um, <clears throat> we went into a lot of things and I'm sorry, I think I talked a little too much. I didn't get enough out of you. Now, t- this time... No, it's all I good, man. <laughs> I want you to... Because you mentioned something in a text this week that you were able to apply some of the stuff you learned from listening to the podcast in a real life situation. Uh, yeah, man, I've been, uh, been on it every day and, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think we were talking about before just consistency and, uh, just really being on top of it. And, um, yeah, man. What, are you, what is your first way of entry to keep on top of it? And what is it in your definition? It would definitely have to be uh, that bliss state that we're talking about. And right. um, I definitely can feel it when... Uh, hey, let me just get my dog out of the room. Keep saying the clacking. Go, come on, buddy. One thing about animals is you notice that they are in a constant bliss state. Um, Most of the time, yeah, if there's not fireworks or something popping right. off. If, if, if there's no immediate danger, and humans used to be that way too for the most part, but we've been trained to be only in a bliss state in very short moments. And so that makes it, you can see why we've created all this technology and like we, that the earth wasn't enough for us. We had to create all these machines and things because we lost the bliss state. And so naturally we're like trying to recreate it through our ingenuity. It's so stupid, but go ahead. I think the, the first, the, the first thing I recognize is one, how I'm feeling like let's just say when I wake up is how I'm feeling. Um, and that usually pertains to the circumstances of my life. If I'm not in the bliss state, cause I'm thinking about what has happened, what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, that whole train thought. Anxiety. Um, yeah. And uh, it's not even that it's like, deep anxiety but it's it's definitely subconscious and conscious and underlying everything that you do how you act um and my first my first thing that i like to check in with is the the amount of breath that i'm actually taking in and rather than when when you're thinking you're not like you said before, actually breathing, you're kind of doing this like hovering of right. like shallow. A of a, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Shallow breath where it's a quarter in, quarter out, quarter in, maybe even less than that. And 
Um, I've gotten really good at checking in. I think we were talking about before, like a monitor system where uh, I'm monitoring that level of breath. And, dude, now even just getting off of – I've been off of caffeine and sugar um, for a minute, but the past, like, week or two – probably two weeks now I've been off of bread completely and uh, I had a little bit of bread uh, a couple nights ago and I could almost visualize and, and see the train of thought yeah. coming in before it took over. Well, and that's cool. Yeah, man. It, it, as much as the, I had to, it wasn't like a big deal. I had to breathe it out and stuff, but well, the fact that it just, I saw it coming instead of it just embodying it and becoming it. It's amazing, man. Because that, I mean, um, there's, there's, there's like some interesting passages in the Bible about bread. Like man cannot live on bread alone. And people have taken that to be interpreted as just like food in general. And that you need like some kind of spiritual matter to feed on, which it does have that meaning. But I think it also is referring to bread. Um, there's something about it that's so intoxicating. And what people don't realize is it, it is a crack version of food. It's so tasty, especially if you don't eat it for a while, you know, like, and then you come back to it. You're like, wow, this is really, and it, I can it's see like why people are chocolate. addicted to it. Like, like a really good fresh baked bagel, you know, with butter. Mm. You know, it's just something like, ah. But the problem is you trade that pleasurable experience for like a life of just seesaw emotions. And it's such a little thing. It's like no one would ever think a little bagel would be a big problem. But like, it is. But it's so subtle. That's that's, That's what I'm trying to say. And unless you're really fine-tuned to it, you can't see it coming. And it's so almost seamless when it comes. Like, all of a sudden, you'll just be really pissed about something. And you won't know why. And, and, and you won't be able to snap out of it. And, and it's like, it's the crash. It's um, your, your blood sugar is swinging and... You know, it just we we're not we're not set up for it, and so we've become like these very nervous creatures, just because of the carbohydrates we eat. So you're not eating the bread, and so you're, you're noticing mentally, you're able to steer yourself. I mean, in the bliss state, much easier, right? It's almost like the bread puts on a mask or a layer that you have to dig through of what, let's say it's just emotion or something like a cake of emotion. And then the thought you have to dig through, but when you don't have the bread, it's just, it's just a clear pathway. You go, you go right to it. It's, there's not a, yeah, or maybe not right to it because you, I can see it coming, but I can see the bridge to the emotion and I'm choosing not to take it. If that makes sense, where the, the bread just, I don't know, maybe I'm not explaining this the right way, but it it just feels like it's much harder to be even aware that 
the thoughts coming, let alone that you're in it. Um, but removing it seems like I can veer off the path of walking towards that thought. That's good. So you can have a piece of bread now and then because it's interesting that it used to be a sacrament or that, you know, during the communion, it's like they're giving this bread to people and it's supposed to be the bread of Christ, the body of Christ. And, you know, if, if that was, if that was like really just what all they gave to you, like a little piece like that, I almost think it, you know, it, there is a spiritual aspect to it, just like anything else, just like tobacco and marijuana and stuff like that. It's like whenever you use it in a ceremonial fashion, it, it has a different meaning completely. And so you think about like, that's probably what bread is for, something like a sacrament of somebody's body. You're taking like a little piece and you're like tasting their spirit or something like that. I mean, that's what they're doing with the Christ Eucharist. Mm. And it's, um, you know, now that we just have this abundance of bread, bread is just like everywhere and bread is in everything. And most people eat, you know, a, a, a diet of, you know, I think 80% carbohydrates. It's weird. You see all like the, um, the, the requirements that the government puts out. And what, and one of them is like 400, uh, 400 um, grams of carbohydrates. Like that's the normal amount. And that's like a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's a shit ton of carbohydrates. And you can just see that the industry has written our food laws and I mean our food guidelines and they've funded our universities and there's this now there's this whole kind of counter against that, like no the carbs are good, like you should like a whole food carb diet. It's just like it's not much different to your body. Your body breaks it down just basically just as fast. So it's, it's better to just stay as much as possible, like even keel with your blood sugar. It just, it makes, if you have a specifically sensitive mind and if you have a mind that doesn't like that can easily be, be interrupted or messed up or emotified, emotified, the worst thing you can do is eat like some really fast blood sugar stuff. I mean, it's just, and, and, and it's crazy that like society has kind of limped along. I mean, it's such a violent society and such, such discord. And to think that it's mainly our food that's doing it to us. It's like, God, and no one's saying anything. It's weird. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it has to do with, you know, that, that food pyramid and everything is based off the, the dollar and, right. you know, this they're not going to make money run. with it. This, this society runs on, on junkies of, of different sorts. Um, food junkie is like the main one, right? It's just like all these different, like, I, oh, I have to have this. I have to have that. You know, it's like people are really like, they're, because they're not in the bliss state, they're 
trying to create the bliss state through food. And it's, you can do that. I mean, for at least a meal, you know, uh, but when you, the thing is, is it's always blissful to eat. So no matter what you eat, when you're hungry, you're happy to have it, you know? So it's like the idea is like, oh, I could never give up bread. It's like, well, your body could, your, you know, your body would gladly give it up. Uh, it's your, it's your kind of like emotional attachment to comfort food that makes you want to, and, and you don't have the bliss state. You don't know what it is. You only get it, you know, when you're eating that like bowl of cereal, <laughs> it's crazy, but it's like some people, they remember their childhood and they're just like, oh yeah, like a bowl of Fruit Loops. That's the bliss state. <laughs> and it is for like a second, for a little while, for like five minutes while you watch a cartoon or something. <laughs> just, right. But it's like your childhood was filled with the bliss state and you had different experiences, intense experiences during those bliss states. And so you remember those, a lot of them in, surround sugar, uh, surround something you sweet, you ate. And so like during Christmas, it's like the gingerbread, wow. like shit is, you know, the cider, this, yeah, it's all just syrupy, you know, you know the, the the thing about it is like the if you, a lot of people look at like an insect, the insect like that's all they can really eat, and that's kind of what sugar is for. Sugar is like insect food. Um, it's 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 an interesting thing. Now, when you look at your breathing, I mean, there's like three things you're trying to like keep in focus you look at your breathing you look how you feel and i think you kind of have to look how you look in the mirror <laughs> like you can't mm. you, you you know it's kind of hard sometimes to see yourself in the mirror and sometimes you need to take a photograph of yourself because you can kind of like see things when you do that or you, sometimes you got to take a photograph with like next to somebody else and you start to just, if you can see something's not right, like you're, you just don't look right. That's, you know, all you have to do is start breathing. And what's weird is that the picture itself will start to look better. Right. As you're breathing. In fact, the person in the picture will change which proves to me often that, you know, I was always talking about time travel and like you don't need to time travel to change. Like, you know, if you have a mistake that happened in your life and you want to really, you know, you wish you could just time travel back, you know, mentally and like tap yourself on the shoulder and like stop you from making the mistake. Well, there's, all these other parallel worlds where you didn't make that mistake and you can go there. Uh, you can go to them. Like, so when I, um, just recently I, um, I borrowed a buddy's car and I scraped the fuck out of it. Like the, the side, just like 
Damn. Going in a parking lot and just, I fucked it up. And I was so mad with myself, man. I was like, man, I really just, it's going to cost like, you know, thousands of dollars to fix. And I was just like, damn, it's a major fuck up. And I was like, and I'm, and the guy's going to be pissed too. It's a nice car and everything. It's like, he's not going to be happy. You know, I'll pay for it, whatever. But the point is, it's like, he probably won't accept me paying for it. He'll just be like, whatever, it's fine. And he'll eat it. And and that hurts me because I'm like, oh, man. Like, it's just, I wish it didn't happen, right? So yeah. I start thinking, like, man, like, every time I think about this thing, every time I think about it happening, like, I I stop breathing. I kind of, like, clench up. And I'm like, man, like, and I'm like, well, there is a parallel world, like, where I, it didn't happen. Like, I, I was about to take another turn in the lot. I could have gone that way, got out that way without fucking it up. And I remember that moment where I made that decision. So I was like, yeah, there's definitely, like, a parallel world where I didn't make this decision. So anytime, and since this thing is killing me, it's entering my brain, like, every five minutes because I'm so pissed about it. So I'm like, I start, I, I create a little alarm clock using a thing like that. Like that's, that's an opportunity. I mean, it's like such a thing that like bugs you. So it's, it's popping up in your brain at every couple seconds and you keep cringing about it. And like, and so you can use that as like an alarm clock for your, for your breath. So anytime I am now thinking about that scratch in the car, I just like start it, I mean, and I'm thinking about it very often because I, it, you know, it bothers me. Um, so it's just like those kind of things, those mistakes now. What can happen is that if I breathe deep enough, I, I may enter a, a, a universe where that didn't even happen. I didn't scratch the car. Now, what would happen to my brain in that moment? My brain would also change. I would not remember that it happened even. It ha- you know, it's, that's kind of how miracles never get recognized because it's like you, you, your brain adjusts. Like if your brain could actually see the miracle, it would go insane, right? So it has to kind of shift with the reality. Your brain is part of the reality. It's not something separate from it. So it's not going to just be able to observe when certain changes take place. Same with somebody who dies. So somebody dies and you're very upset about it. Like if you breathe super deep and you get into a super high realm where you can transverse the, the, the different parallels, that person one day might be alive in your world again. Now, of course, you may have just had a dream that they died in that world. Like in that world, you're in that world now, right? So that he's, he's still alive. He never died. But you woke up the night before, like, dreaming that he did. And so that's just kind of how your brain deals with it. But Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So when right before that moment happened, was there any second guessing any like slip of time where you're like oh I should go that other way but 
out of convenience or whatever the, the reason may have been you did what you did and that happened and then after is there any recognition of a moment like that doesn't ha- there doesn't necessarily have to be but there really was in this case because it was between me taking an uber and borrowing my buddy's car and i and i was like well i actually ordered the uber and i was like gonna, i was all ready to take it but then i was like no i'll just borrow this dude's car like real fast and so i canceled the uber <laughs> even like paid a penalty to cancel it and in that moment, I was like, yeah, I should have took the Uber or whatever, you know, what would happen? Now, I have faith also that the best thing happened. Why? Well, if not, then I'll go to the other parallel. But the point is, like, I understand why now you you believe that the universe is going in a positive direction. So when bad things happen, you, you have to accept them as part of that positive direction even though you don't like it in the moment have you heard of um Eckhart Tolle yeah Uh, Eckhart Tolle he's the power of now and he's talking about always talking about acceptance so that like when you people when they see a reality they don't like they their mind creates a resistance against it and it's just it's just like this your mind says no to it, even though it's like right there. It's like, you can't say no to something that exists. It, it, you have to just say yes to it or it kind of eats you up. And that's what like most people are doing in their lives. They're like, they live in a state of saying no. And it's like, it's just friction. Just you, there's, there's all kinds of friction and, and degeneration going down because of that. It's like cognitive dissonance every single day. So one of the first steps in getting to uh, getting over something is just like when something happens that that's not cool, <laughs> like that riles you up. Understand that it's part of the it's part of the way that this is this whole thing unfolds. It has to happen. Stuff like that has to happen. So you accept it as that too, but you also accept it as a thing like, look, this is is happening. If I resist it in my mind, I won't be able to deal with it. If, once I accept it, I can deal with it. But if I'm constantly resisting it and saying no to it, almost like wanting to will it away, that's no good. Right. But, and that's that's based off a, proje- a projection that we have for ourselves for that reality, right? I mean, it's more like we're fighting the reality with our own projection, of what mm. we think yeah. it should be, you know. And I'm that. So when this thing happened with the scratch of the car, I was like so beating myself up, but then I was just like. Look, this is this is what's this is actually worse than anything. Like, car can be repaired, but you're like fucking up your whole aura here now. And you, you understand that, like, it's because you're just resisting this thing that happened, this thing you didn't want to happen, and your mind is like just like, ah. 
you have to say, okay, great. Like this thing got me mad. Like this thing is going to be on my mind. I'm not going to be able to really banish this from my mind. Like I'm, I'm not some Zen guy or like sociopath who could just be like, well, it doesn't concern me. I accept it. You know, it's like, whatever. No, it's going to come up. Your emotions are like, have a mind of their own. Now we've talked about limiting them by limiting your sugar balance, but still you're going to have it. So it's perfect just to remind you to take a deep breath. So anytime you think of that mistake you made, makes you cringe, use it. It's, it's a great reminder to keep the breathing up. And when you start to really just get on a roll with the breathing, and I'm sure you've seen this, where it's just going like for a long period of time, just constantly breathing, almost like a swimmer, like swimming through the earth instead of um, mm-hmm. walking and just kind of treading water. You're like swimming like breaststrokes, you know? And mm-hmm. And we are, you know, aquatic apes like we we were mostly living underwater for a long time that's why we only have hair on our heads like we're not um we're 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 on land very small amount of time compared to the the length of time we were in the water um and and that you know the way that we've been able to sustain ourselves on land is by creating like almost like a, uh, an ocean of breathing inside of our lungs. Like we carry our ocean now inside of us and we're like walking around on land and we're, and we have to keep it churning. We almost are like creating our own atmosphere inside of our bodies. Our own, we're like our, a planet unto ourselves, and we have to keep the seasons like, the wind blowing and churning for it to be a a sustainable planet. Um, And so it's just like, that's what we're doing. We're so these little cataclysms that happen on our, on the planet that is each of us, like these little mistakes, they're part of it because like they trigger, they're like the catalyst. So, so, so now I'm like, I've had so many miracles just happen because I just used this little, this fuck up, this crash, this little scrape of somebody's car. Like I used it. I was just like, use it all day. And I started like becoming like almost like a God because it bothered me so much that it was reminding me so much. So I was breathing more than I'd ever breathed in a long, long time. So the point I'm making is that like sometimes like positive reinforcement doesn't work as well as like negative because it doesn't, it doesn't come up in your brain as much. You know, when you're in the bliss state, it's easy to forget and get and just fall out of it. Um, Mm. So, so the thing is, is this like when you get poked by, that's what negative emotion is for basically negative emotion is all of it is a reminder to breathe. So it has a purpose. So don't be so appalled when it actually comes in. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Cause like a lot of people are really just, they're pissed that they're pissed instead of just being pissed, you know? 
Right. There's a there's a level of acceptance that you were talking about that's because I had a an, an incident happen uh, this weekend that was kind of similar with a, a a job that I was kind of lined up for and I had uh, the owner of the business kind of hyping me up because he was a, a friend of a friend and he was just had said all these things were going to be happening, whatever. And, and then the, the first day it just was the polar opposite, completely different uh, picture was painted. And the next day I just, you know, didn't want to waste his time or anything. And I, uh, I just, you know, I just said it wasn't for me, whatever. And later, you know, found out through the friend that, you know, he was super disappointed and kind of pissed off and, he had all this like stuff lined up for me apparently, but he almost was playing this game or whatever. And anyways, I, I was, I felt like I had made a mistake by just not giving it a little bit more of just time in general, a, a chance for him, but just to see kind of where this endeavor goes, even though I had felt in the moment, like it was just not supposed to happen. Um, so I, I took that as uh I just took it really hard and the next couple of days were uh, kind of rough, but then I got to this point where like you were talking about just accepting the, the choice that you made. And when I did that, when I like actually felt okay with that, with who I was by making that and not letting me beat myself up over the projection of my ego and what it wanted, uh, there was like this, there was this like taste of light that you kind of get when something really good happens in your life. And, um, yeah, it was weird. It was like getting to the end of that on a good note. I almost was in the same place as if I got the opportunity and, uh, I went through with it all. And there's, there's just light regardless if you can, you know, let go of everything you're holding on to that has to do with that moment. Um, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Absolutely. But what's what I what the extra step that I'm adding here is that, look, you can say all you want that you accept it, <laughs> but there's, you know, you're gonna have a couple waves coming in of of non-acceptance, right? I mean, it's just mm. gonna when you're not paying attention, your mind is a thing of its own, and it, and it likes to give you all sides of the argument, you know? So while one side will be like, yes, my son must accept, there'll be another part to be like, yeah, but fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now that, but see, that person is such a useful person when it comes to the breathing. Cause it's like, if you could just lock that person in with, like as a, use that person as your reminder to breathe. You can get to a place where you did the different thing. You are, you know, like, or it turns out that your tactic of what how you did it was actually the genius way to go. You know, like there there was a reason behind it. Like you will get to a parallel universe either that makes that mistake like this, you know, like it had to happen for this great thing to happen. And you see that later, or 
you can get to a parallel universe where you didn't even make the mistake and your brain just adjusts and you don't remember that it happened because it didn't in the parallel world that they're in. And that's all through oxygen. It's like your mind is like a, a quantum machine. And, it's, and in, the more oxygen that can get into your mind, into your lungs, into your body, your your mind starts to become like a quantum time machine. And, it, you know, instead of like going back in time and actually changing stuff, all it has to do is step sideways in time and you ascend that way. You go to a, a better parallel universe. You notice that like if you're in on like a great breathing pattern, like you're getting all the green lights, you know, you're getting all the walk signs. You're, it's like, have you ever gotten to that where you're just like, wow. Dude, all the time, all the time. (laughs) That's, that's when you really see it. And, 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 and sometimes you'll like be saying a word and then on TV, someone's saying the same word and you'll, you, you were like, talking about, in, uh, I think, the, the 30 million year old man. He said something about lemons or something. Like, or you could use a lemon. For, I don't know what you were talking about. I forget. But I was driving and I saw a giant poster for like lemons. As soon as you said that, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> there you go. It's stuff like that. You see that and you're like, okay, I'm on the right track. Like I'm, yes. I'm where I need to be, and green flags, right? Man, when you when you when you start to see that there's like a lot of chaos and like even in the headline, like even in like uh, the world, like if you just open up a, a paper and you see like some violence, like there's something inside of you that created it. Like it's a it's a weird like. You know, so within, so without, like there's, you can't entirely, that's why the bliss state is so important because you're like one little atom, you know, in this huge universe. But if you're vibrating bliss, you're going to help others vibrate bliss around you. And like, make no mistake, like that's what you're here to do. Like you're not here to give the truth to anyone you're here to give the bliss state like however you can do it, but it's mainly by being blissful yourself. Like you have to be in the bliss state to give the bliss state, but make no mistake. It's not just about you. It's not like, Oh, well you can just have be in the bliss state and, and you don't have to think about creating the bliss state and others. I think that you need to do both. Um, and and in fact, if you're not trying like to increase the bliss state of other people, they're going to come back and fuck your bliss state. <laughs> so it's almost like a defensive mechanism. Um, it, they they will come back um, at you if you're not on offense. Like you need to be on like a bliss offense. Now, what is that? That just means don't talk negative. Don't. Don't be negative to people. Um, don't give them your negative opinion. Um, don't express. I mean, this is from Gurdjieff. He's uh, 
Gurdjieff, Ospensky, like they're like some theosophists. Have you heard of them? Uh, I'm not familiar now. Yeah, they're like they came off. They came around the time of Madame Blavatsky and like Rudolf Steiner. There's like the turn of the century. The thinkers, a lot of them are really smart. Aleister Crowley, and they were uh, they all kind of talked and they had different ideas. But one of one of them was that just like it's really not a good idea to express negative emotions. Like you know, some people are. They need, you know, you need to talk it out with a therapist or or a, a family friend, and sometimes you need to get it off. Like you need to say what it is and call it out. But if you're just kind of casually a negative charged person and saying negative things, even negative jokes, cynical jokes, you know, you're you're poisoning the atmosphere, and you're doing it out of the not, you know, not being in a bliss state. You're trying, you're giving, you're engaging in kind of gallows humor and, you know, when you do that right. or when you're just being negative, you're just, you're like, I'm cynical. You know, you get, like, even you hate, like, people like hate Donald Trump, you know, or something like that. Even that, it was like, do you understand that, like, you're, you're only fucking yourself up if you hate a person. It's 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 so bad for your you cellularly, and for your bliss state, and for everyone else's bliss state, that it just doesn't even pay to talk about it. I mean, negative things are like the tiger is going to come kill you now. Like I can't. That's reality. It's negative, but it's reality, and it's like I need to you. The only the only time you should ever communicate something negative is something's in, somebody's in immediate danger. <laughs> but unless you know, because you'd be like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that because that'll kill you," you know. Okay, you're being negative, but <laughs> but uh, but if you're not if you're just talking about politics, for example, and you're like, "Yeah, man, like Washington's like totally corrupt, man." Why does why does somebody need to hear that? You know, like is is that does that help them in any way? <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't think so. <laughs> but we're always like talking like that with people. Like we're we're criticizing things. We'll be like, yeah, that shit sucks. Like I don't like that shit. Fuck that guy. You know, just that kind of talk. And it's like this weird thing where people kind of, they bond over it. They bond over negativity. But as they're bonding over negativity, like they're, they're, they're creating this kind of like weird bliss state out of, out of negativity. Like they kind of talk about it with each other. Like, yeah, that dude's a dick. Like, fuck that dude. And I can understand like when that, when you, when you're doing that with somebody, like you're kind of, having like a rapport with them and you're joking and you're having fun and it, it it creates sort of a bliss state, but it's also just like seeding kind of a not the non bliss down the road. Like there's just, there's really no reason to engage in it. Like you should just be like as positive and trying to cheer people up. Right. So don't yeah, give man. them the, don't give them your cynical take. 
you know, if just keep it to yourself because you're not, you don't know you're right, right? You, if you think some shit's like totally corrupt and you're just like, fuck that, but you don't really know, like why tell somebody that it is and get them convinced that it is? That's all I'm saying. So it's just like, why, you know, if you really hate something, like why convince somebody else to hate it too? Like, some people need to be heard. Yeah. I, I, wait, know, what do you mean the, by that? They, they, uh, it, everyone's got this little like screaming voice that just is is dying to let everyone know how they feel because they either can't let go of it themselves and they hold it emotionally, like and physically. Or you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's it's a it's almost a cry for help in the in the microest fashion. But it's because uh, I've felt that way and I've done that, and it's it's just because I'm hurting inside. And it's the, the famous line: "Hurt people, hurt people, and happy people don't." You know, people that work on themselves and try and make themselves better so when they're around others they just lift everyone rather than either drag people along or just keep them at this like weird neutral ground you know it's uh um i don't know it's it's interesting there's a lot of people good no i was just saying you you're you're the pain that you're acknowledging the minute that's, that's kind of where like the philosophy that I'm trying to put forth here is like, that's where you just should just intercede. Like you don't need to go through this long, uh, you know, discussion with a psychiatrist. You just have to understand, like, I don't feel good. That's not supposed to be. So let me make myself feel better and let me take some deep breaths and you can see that even like the worst shit, you start to understand that like all you're here to do is deal with stuff, and the best way, and and you're gonna be your best shape to deal with stuff if you have full oxygen. So anything that happens is just like the minute you feel like shitty, it's not like oh I I'm depressed. It's like no, you're not breathing. It's like, oh, I'm angry. It's like, no, you're not breathing. It's like, oh, I'm really, I don't know. I just, I have a lot of, I'm scared. It's like, no, you're not breathing. And like, why don't psychiatrists do this? I guess they'd be out of business. I don't know. (laughs) Probably. And they also don't differentiate breathing and because you tell that to most people and they're going to be like, I'm, I'm breathing. What are you talking about? I'm just, you know, angry in this moment or whatever. And it's, it's breathing is almost an action that we have to replace with those moments instead of the action of getting angry or whatever it may be. We just replace it with, we are breathing now instead of being angry. Right. And so you set up, you just have to, your brain has to be really tuned to like negative emotion and just be like, and, and root it out. But at the same time, you can't be so shocked by it. 
if you know, because if you're like, a, if you consider yourself to be like a Zen person, right, and then negative emotion comes in, you kind of feel like a failure. You feel like, well, I was, I thought I was this enlightened being, and I'm clearly not. <laughs> but right, it's it's and that itself fucks you up. Just the idea that you don't have it together, and you start to f- unravel from that thought. And we have to understand that, like, you're here not to be like a Zen master that never gets upset. Like the Dalai Lama gets pissed. He stubs his toe. He gets mad. I mean, it's like <laughs> it happens. And it's not the, the idea is not to, to be so on guard. So it never happens and then get really mad when it does. It's, it's your, 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 the way you are supposed to be is to, to just, deal with it in the most effective way possible. And you can only do that if you're just like taking in a lot of oxygen. The minute it happens and after and while you're thinking about it and and then like it's it's crazy how negative things that then when they happen to you are actually like a, they, they start to become an engine of breath so much more powerful than positive things happening to you. And um, so that's their place. That's why they exist. And that's why you shouldn't feel like, oh, how dare these things happen to me, the enlightened one. <laughs> you know, like you should be just comfortable with the yeah. fact that they will happen, that you can't stop them, and that when they do, they're great opportunities to get to improve your breathing. <laughs> Just growth moments. Yeah. Or or just annoying moments. Like annoyance is the greatest breathing reminder ever. Because it's very common. And it's also a reminder that you're not breathing. It's It's a reminder to breathe. It's a reminder that you weren't before because you wouldn't be annoyed. And it's the same. All the negative emotions are kind of like that. They're like they're both the they're both the alarm and the and the fact that you're not breathing. So if you can just understand them that way, then it it helps for you not to get carried away because you're just like you you catch it the minute you feel any kind of like non-sailing, non-flying and just make and get yourself feeling really good with the oxygen and you start to see that this is the natural state. It's like when you have like a like five or six or seven huge deep breaths under your belt, then you can kind of see the world. And then like until then, your worldview is just wrong. Yeah. Um, and I mean it can be even through, uh, you know, traumatic moments as well, where, you know, something super intense that I like to call like real life moments where it's, it's almost this primal instinct that kicks in. I mean, it doesn't kick in and it kicks in, but then you have the option to breathe and hone in with it or, you know, lose control and have a panic attack. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it can be used in those settings as well rather than, you know, just everyday life stuff. You can get that in a super intense moment. Um, yeah, I, don't, I feel like 
talk, talk about it because you had a moment like that, right? Yeah, that's uh, this uh, like I think Thursday. Yeah, I was uh, shooting a, a music video uh, for one of my songs I'm putting out uh, next year, and we were taking a lunch break, and this is in like Palm Springs, and we uh, we got chipotle and we're leaving chipotle and we're looking on the maps for this kind of mountain area to go shoot at for the last scene and this probably over 200 pounds probably like 250 pounds 80 year old man at least 80 years old maybe older um you know was walking our our direction as we're leaving, he's kind of going towards the center, this little outdoor food center. And uh, I, I don't know when they were making the the sidewalks there or something, they, they messed up on this one part and there was this little lip uh, that it just, it was off kiltered and I feel like a lot of people could trip on it. And anyways, he, he's walking past us and this dude trips on the little cement ledge thing and straight up just face plants into the cement and takes his whole weight, everything, nothing, no arms blocking or anything, just from straight up moving forward to moving faster into the cement. And ouch. Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm in the complete opposite state at this point. I just ate, um, digesting. I'm like, you know, not fully locked in with my brain just because food has just been put through my whole body. And, uh, you know, we're kind of just like taking a breather before we go back out there. And this super intense moment happens in front of us. And and I'm, I'm with my, my buddy, Sean, uh, who was filming, and so this guy falls, and I don't know if you ever, you have to have, in, in any movie, whenever you hear someone's head getting, like, caved in, that sound, that, like, fruit smashing kind of sound, I, I heard that, that in real life. Oh. And when I, when I heard that dude, it it set off something in my entire body that was, like, this is a real moment. This is, this is an intense real moment that you need, you now need to be on, uh, on guard for if anything. And I, I'm kind of behind him cause he, he landed and then he rolled over on his right shoulder. So I'm like looking at his back and I walk over and this dude has just a giant pool of blood on the cement around his head. And he's got this, insane gash above his right eyebrow that is probably like three inches uh tall like three inches uh in height and then probably like i don't know four inches wide and i could fit like probably half of my fingers inside i could like see inside his head like the tissue and everything and it it looked like someone was pouring a cup of blood out at, just out of a cup that's how fast it was coming out and it was in that moment I had to choose to, it wasn't even a choice. I just, it, something locked in where I just, I started breathing really deep 
first thing that came to my brain was the ad amount of blood that quick, like 911 for sure. So I called 911 in like a minute, get off the phone with them. I pull out this face mask I had. I put it up against his head. I'm trying to like get him to sit up, but he he does. He says he can't get up and doesn't want to move. And I'm just like talking to him as I have this face mask pressed up against his head, just trying to stop the bleeding. Um, I told my buddy to go get rags uh, from Chipotle, and he, he got some clean rags. And we, I put that up against his head, and I'm just waiting for the paramedics to come. And this whole time is just like, breathe, lock in. Okay, what's happening? Okay, breathe. Okay, lock in. What's happening? And it was, I don't know, man. It was a, it was, down. It was a crazy time. Yeah, way. dude, it, it's it slowed down so much. But then, it, I know it slowed down because as soon as the paramedics came and they they grabbed him, they they wrapped him up real quick. They gave him a, a head wrap and a neck brace, and I'm pretty sure he's. He's okay, but they they put him in the stretcher and wheeled him off. But uh, um, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Like, yeah, a hundred percent. What was I saying right before that, though? Um, oh, you said it was they slowed down time. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So as soon as they they took over and I stepped back, then I felt all the all the senses all the sensory came back and i like got super nauseous i almost threw up i was lightheaded i had to like sit down just from that experience seeing i've never seen that amount of blood in that in one sitting in real life um and it it was just gnarly dude but yeah you stopped breathing that, you let go of your breathing <laughs> yeah. in that moment and then you got nauseous if you kept breathing through that you probably would have been fine yeah, I th- yeah, it was like the minute you weird, stopped breathing, like, I, you I felt yeah, almost, and I, I felt that like time wheel speed up, like I was, uh, I don't know, it was like okay, I'm, right. I'm back here, which is what just happened, kind of feeling. Right, you went back to normal time from like because yeah. the the negative event spurred your this like basically sacred breathing on your part. The minute you you know, came out of your sacred breathing routine and back into normal kind of regular breathing. It was just like, a, it's almost like a, coming to a halt, you know, just like, wow. It's like you just kind of see everything and it, you're right. It just like registers as a fast event instead of a slow event at that moment. And then you get nauseous. Like I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, especially a lot of people who have been in accidents report that kind of experience, especially if they're alert during the accident. A lot of people, you know, when there's something that happens when you get into a heightened state, when um, it helps us when predators are after us, we become super alert. I mean, it's from the adrenaline that gets dumped into us. And, that can, you know, some people hyperventilate from that and they have a complete nervous breakdown from it. But if you're, you know, most people can tap into some serious, you know, it's it's in moments like that where people learn these principles just from 
you know, being in an accident, sometimes they learn the way to just slow down time with their breathing. Like it happens because their their instincts do it for them, and then they learn that way. So it's that's why adversity often teaches people to be super chill uh, all the time, um, and that's what's the benefit of it. So it's like everything negative. It's it's forming you in a way that can either destroy you or make you much better. And um, that's you know, and and without the risk of destruction, there would be no reward of enlightenment um, afterwards. So it's important that, <coughs> like, let's just say there was a parallel universe where. And there probably was where you kind of did, you just kind of puked right away and you got all nauseous right away and you just didn't want to deal with it. And you just kind of let the guy, let someone else deal with it. You know, I just passed out and I hit my own head and we're both laying there. (laughs) Well, that, or you just kind of like, you're like, someone will help them, but it's not going to be me. Um, Dude, there was, there was people, it was crazy when I was, holding his head and I had a moment to like kind of tap back in. I'm looking around. There was just people kind of just standing around and not one single person asked if uh, they could help. I thought it was kind of crazy, but I think they they were just, they weren't conscious at the time. Yeah, dude. They were in a state of total unconsciousness. It like, for them, time was moving super fast. So it's like you're watching somebody just kind of still while you're like doing all these moves. You're just seeing people stunned around you and they're not breathing and you are. So the, you're living in two different worlds completely. But that's fascinating, man. So I'm glad to hear that um, these lectures save lives. <laughs> Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Now, when you're, think, go ahead. No, I just I was gonna just on that last note. I I think when, well, one, you know, working on breathing definitely prepared me to just go into that mode instinctively. But if there was, if or when the next time something like that happens, I think I'll be even more conscious to tap into that breathing rather than like, what do I do? Or have that two pass choice moment rather than just one pass. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there, like you said, there's a learn, you, you learn something from that moment and you take it. And I feel like I could definitely tap back into that quicker and almost choose it next time yeah well it 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 reinforces itself every time you do use it i mean it happens in the opposite direction too like some people get results out of like completely bugging out not breathing and they get like a positive result out of it in like one out of ten times but that's enough where they think it works uh, like, you know, people who get mad to get their way, like, it can work. 
You know, people don't want to deal with an angry person. They're just like, all right, here, take it. You can have it. So you become very good at, like, showing anger to get what you want. And the problem with it is that it takes, I mean, it, it, it by definition is you coming out of the bliss state to get what you want. It's, like, so counterproductive to why you're here what your cells want, what everything in the universe wants, but you get what you want in that one moment, that ego moment. And so you can get reinforced in that direction. So similarly, if, if you're finding a way to get into the bliss state, even in the most high tense situations, that becomes a muscle and you're more apt for that to happen again. So it's like you're always creating your next... Um, you know, the the next action with the action before. That's why, I like, the, the cold shower thing, to me, has taught me the gap time between, um, like, emotion and choice. And you can, you can start to, I start to understand, like, where it, that gap time is and allows you to intervene. Um, there's just like a little gap. It's very quick, but if you miss it, you're in the emotion and it's carrying you away and you can't intervene. 100%. So little things that you can do, um, the, more you, the more you exercise willpower, I've noticed, the more powerful you're able to intervene in gap time and the and the less you engage in willpower it, it's harder and I don't know why but so little things like forcing yourself to go into a cold shower or fasting or um, I think refraining. it's that muscle man huh I, I think it I think it's that muscle that you're talking about it's just like it taking you know anyone that's never lifted a weight in their entire life and they go and try and lift a 75 pound dumbbell, there's a pretty good chance. There's no way they're going to be able to do it or at least like five solid reps. It's the same thing with this willpower muscle. You know, you have to, you have to train it. And I I know that gap you're talking about, like as soon as that cold water hits you, you have, the choice right there to just stay calm and breathe like you do in the, like I do in the sauna or I can just you know start shaking and just like tap really right. be more into the physical than my head and you know do throw some boxing punches in the shower just to warm up however fast I need to and um yeah I think it's just working that muscle and training it and the more I do it the you know, everyday kind of repetition, that gap that I feel in that moment, I seem to have more time as I progress. It seems like instead of it being a couple seconds of you have this moment to tap in, it's more like uh, you can kind of like freak out for a second, but you have like 10 seconds now to like really, you know, <laughs> dive into it. Yeah, it's it's it definitely affects you and now even like refraining from eating bread you know it's like 
that's a good willpower technique in and of itself. It just once you train your willpower, then you your willpower becomes stronger in moments where you need it. That's I think what it is. And also you you become aware of the level or just the levels that there are. Because when you're not doing that stuff, you think you're at your limit or you think that, you know, this is the best I can feel or whatever. But I don't know if there's no better feeling than coming out of that cold shower and realizing, like, how good you actually feel and that it was levels above how you were feeling before you were in it. And, yeah, I think people are just unaware of those levels. Well, that's another thing is that when you put yourself in voluntary discomfort, it gives you a perspective shift so that when you come back to normal comfort, which is just normalcy, you see it differently. You're like, wow, like the absence of discomfort is bliss. And most people don't see it that way. They think that bliss is something much more mysterious, but it's not. It's, it's the, it's the absence of discomfort and it's the acknowledgement of, of, of that that is the bliss state. <laughs> but you and have to be your... aware of that discomfort, right? It's, it's like you, you have to know that you have to know the feeling of discomfort so when you're not feeling it, there's gratitude for that feeling, right? Right. Like you, you, give, your face, uh, you give yourself a taste of bitter so then when you eat something sweet, which is just normalcy, it's so You're sweet. You're like, oh, this isn't bitter. <laughs> so great. Yeah. And that's, that's life is like training yourself to appreciate it at every moment. And that doesn't mean being like some kind of delusional person, you know? It's like genuinely just seeing like, look, I'm not feeling any pain right now. There's no reason why I, sh- I shouldn't just like be in awe of that and be like, wow, this is, this is the greatest feeling of all time. But instead people are just kind of like bored with it, the feeling of no pain. They're just like, yeah, I don't feel any pain, but I'm bored or I'm depressed or I'm, I'm right. And the only time they feel that is maybe a week after that injury, and then it slowly, slowly fades away, like our memory. Right. Like, or somebody feels, um, yeah, like that. That's the thing is, most people don't allow themselves to feel any discomfort, and that's like kind of a you know, it's it's better to to find controlled versions of discomfort that you can engage in than to wait for one to come along that you didn't create. Because yes. when that one comes along, you're not as ready for it. And yeah, it might teach you something, but if it's a pretty high price you start having to pay. To go into a cold shower is such a low price, but you, you get yeah. paid so much out of it. <laughs> for real. Now, like, you might end up like steering your car off the road during the winter storm and going into an ice lake, you know, that's going to teach you something, Uh, but it's not controlled and it's dangerous. 
And it's going to teach you about almost the same thing that a cold shower would. <laughs> yeah, but maybe without the risk. Teach you to put chains on your tires. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is to train you to have willpower, to be able to exercise your will. Uh, what what most people are doing right now is just they're not free. You know, they're 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 automatons. Um, they're they're reacting to their environment in a very determined way, and they think they're exercising choice, but they're really just letting ego autopilot them. Mm-hmm. Once you let ego autopilot you, it feels free. It feels like yeah, my ego's in charge. Like he's he's making the decisions, and he's making very selfish ones, but they're free. God damn it! But they're not. Um, they're very they're very limited you know the ego is such a spiritually stupid mind inside of you it's like doesn't understand the big picture at all so whenever that autopilot is on you're not free at all you're just a you're not exercising willpower at all and it's funny because, like, there's no way people want to rely on. Um, they want to rely on on on. How can I say this? They think that their willpower can get them to just do things every day. Um, they think that they can just, you know, like, for, you know how you make a plan, like, you'll be like, all right, I'm going to, um, do a hundred pushups a day. And they think that just by making that plan, that they're just going to be able to do that every day. They think, yeah, of course I'm going to do this. Right. And the day that you come up with that idea that oh that's what I was trying to say people think that they can that inspiration inspiration is the thing that that should that they should rely upon to keep going and do things and it's really not it's willpower power is the thing that that you need inspiration is fucking bullshit it's great when you get it but if you try to rely on it it might not come it's it's like, you know, it's like it depends on how you feel. If you don't mm-hmm. feel that great, it's not going to come. And and it's not something that you can rely upon. Like you you need to rely upon a consistent practice of of willpower that develops into a habit, and that just like even at your worst moments, you're still performing this habit and by virtue of your sheer will you're still doing it but not by virtue of inspiration i don't know it's hard to explain but like you're an artist and you know what i mean like you can't no, I get what saying. To, you can't try to produce art just waiting for yourself to be inspired it's like you could go years they, they call it like writer's block and and it's uh 
it's something I just don't believe in because there's, I feel like at least half the times I sit down to make music, I've either had to, or I don't know, half the time I'm stoked to get in there and just want to have fun. And the other time is, you know, like a grind, but I'm, I'm pushing myself to get in there and knowing that if I just show up, you know, something will happen. But a lot of people, they're in this writer's block stage or whatever, this phase, they don't even, you know, look at the studio or think about it. It's, or whatever it might be that their art is, they, uh, they stay away from it until this feeling of light or whatever comes through that may not come for a really long time. For years. Because it's like you never let it, the way you create those inspirations is by doing shit when you're not inspired and then that creates the momentum. And people forget that. They think that the inspiration came first and it's no, it's like the action, it's like the will, it's the the habit that you've created. Like, yeah. Then inspiration comes out of that. Like you create a vehicle for inspiration by creating a habit of practice that translates into feeling great and feeling and you know when you see yourself creating things it makes you more creative than if you're just like brooding on what you're going to create and never creating and never trying to create that actually has the opposite effect makes you less apt to create anything so you have to and you have to see yourself creating see yourself doing like a little bit every day instead of trying to do like a lot in like a week. <laughs> like, I just tell people to show up. That's one of my mantras is if you show up, the rest will happen. It may not be, you know, the best thing you've ever made or whatever, but at least you made something. And I guarantee that next time you go in there, it'll be really good. And it's just about showing up. And uh, right, putting in yeah. the time and giving yourself. Yeah. So what I do is like in terms of writing, like in writing songs, I'm just like, look, you have a half an hour, like write four lines, you know, whatever. Just do it. Write one line a day. Like if you just did one line a day you would write like 10 lines, 20 lines, sometimes mm-hmm. three songs. It helps to make the the goal as small as possible. Like I do my, I have a one push up a day. I got it from this, <laughs> that book, that mini habits book. It's like brilliant. One push up a day nice. is my, is my workout routine. And it's just like, I do 50 push ups and a bunch of sit ups and pull ups. I end up doing it more, but I, but my but that one and, gets you in it. Yeah. But if I do one, I know that by the law of thermodynamics, an object that is in motion will stay in motion. And so I know that with writing, I do one line of rap, one line of, I, you know, I, I'm like, I'll listen to one beat. You know, I'm always scouring the internet for good beats. That's a practice unto itself, you know, like, 
and it's a hassle because you have to go through so many goddamn beats. But you're like, I'll listen to a couple. Listen to one. <laughs> and then you end up listening to like 30. Uh, if you say, if you go into it saying, oh, I'll listen to 30, you won't listen to even one. It, because there's something in your mind that fights against you whenever you try to make these grand resolutions. Like, there's something in your mind that's just like, no, wants to rebel. So when you say, oh, I'm going to breathe all the time, I'm going to make sure I'm always breathing. There's something in your, in your mind that's like, that's stupid. Like, you don't need to do that. You know, you're always fighting yourself. So it's, it's, it, you always are going to have opposition because your, your brain is fundamentally like rebellious. I think it's good because you're choosing a place to start. You, a lot of people, they make that grand uh, that grand decision in their head that they're going to do all these things or do this crazy diet, and they have, the, they have the end in sight, but they have no idea how to start or haven't even thought about how they're going to start. And I think it's cool that you know, you're just doing, like, just do one because that's the start. And as soon as you start, it's like the ball starts rolling down the hill. Right. Everything's, everything's like, but the thing is, is that you can just kind of get by in life by just starting. Um, and you would be, you'd be surprised, like, how much you get done, how much you feel accomplished. Because there's been days where I've just done the one push-up. Like, and I've just been like, hey, I'm keeping this up. It's a habit, whatever. There's been days when I've written just like one line of, of, of song. And mm. it's just, at least I did that one line though. And it's very rare that I do just one line. But I'm just saying like, sometimes just to prove to myself that, that I'm still doing it. Like, you know, it's, if a friend dies, like sometimes like you're, you're in terrible life situation and you're just like, well, I'm not, am I going to do my one push up? It's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do my one push up. I'm going to do all of them. Um, I'm not going to let this change me, um, change my, the, the trajectory on them that you're on. So habit, it turns out, is the key to like blissful life. It's like habit and willpower versus relying on inspiration. Most people, they just, they, they, they want to rely on inspiration. It's just like, that's why they can't follow through. So one day they'll be like breathing like a motherfucker because they're inspired to do so by thinking, by seeing how great it is and seeing how it works. The next day they forget it. And they're just like living their life just the normal way again. And they just see it's, it's terrible. The thing about it is like the more oxygen you're putting in, like the more like the goddess is like repaying you. Like the, the, the goddess is like, wants you to breathe. The goddess wants you to take in a ton of oxygen and she will give you like your wildest dreams you know, you think reality is limiting you. It's it's like reality doesn't exist. Reality is a malleable thing. But you need to be like a sorcerer instead of a human. 
and you can only be a saucer if you're like taking in these deep breaths. Now we've talked about breathing all day. Talk about what your life was like, like when you when you came to this uh, lectures of fallen wisdom. Like, what other things were you kind of into, or was this your first kind of look at that kind of talking, or where were you in your development? I was, uh, I definitely been meditating and breathing, uh, for a while before that. Um, and just into the whole air quote spiritual world. And, uh, it was, I was just trying to find more information about, uh, just, you know, the deep stuff, not, not the surface spirit world and just the, just the whole like yogi world was, it's cool, but I felt like I just was looking at it through a different lens. And, uh, like I said, man, I was, I was reading, uh, um, occult books, you know, and like black magic and crazy shit. And, <laughs> um, I was just trying to find, uh, I was getting into podcasts and I was trying to just find like podcasts talking about stuff like that. And I typed in occult on the, uh, the podcast search engine thing. And, uh, this popped up in the, the picture. I think it's, it's Alex gray, right. For the your cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I was like, oh shit, like, all right, like, I don't know, something just like drew me in. And then, uh, what you were talking about, how you were talking about it, and just, I don't know, you had this, this like street guru vibe, and I was about it. And, uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I started really like resonating with what you were talking about, and then, uh, really started implementing it. And I, I I know it really works because, you know, just like everyone, we go in waves of working on ourselves and then maybe something really good happens and then we kind of get lazy and whatever. And every time I, I get back into it because I've been out of the, you know, the self-help wave or whatever, uh, there's always this like realignment like oh okay full circled back to here now but now it's new knowledge and I just had to I just had to get back to what I was doing but every time I do that I had to get back to what I was doing thing I always find new levels and there's there's more knowledge that gets unraveled and um but yeah I mean consistency even if it's you know over this is my meditation breathing journey has been over like seven years now and I feel really in the last year at least the last year I've like really broken into a new realm and that took work it took willpower that took consistency and uh yeah man it's uh it's definitely not something that you know, light switch on overnight. And like you said, people will breathe all day because they're super inspired because they, whatever, they saw something or heard something and 
then the next day they, they get tested and it's they go right back to where they were even if it could be even a worse reaction and it takes a week or two to get back to just having that moment to think about breathing again and yeah i just think that uh, consistency is um, something that people should try and keep in the back of their head uh, with anything that uh, that bleeds into your, your existence, how you operate and how you walk and breathe. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a good thing to do is that realize that you haven't, if you don't feel awesome, you haven't been breathing enough. Um, you've been breathing shallow. And so what you need to do is learn how to basically walk and chew gum at the same time. So what, what happens is, is people get caught up with life and their breathing goes down to a trickle because life can be, it can create anxiety, create fear. And whenever we're, our minds are actively engaged and we're not, fully conscious our breathing slows down to nothing and that also impairs our ability to think it impairs all these processes in our body and it also fucks up our emotions makes them very negative so so you just have to you just have to be kind of like understanding that like just learn how to I mean just sit home and fucking watch TV all day if you need to do that learn how to breathe breathe and then try just one little thing like go to the store buy something and just make sure you breathe the whole time like and see how many times you stop (laughs) just doing something really rudimentary then you start to see how hard it is for people to do that, like when they're just going to work or if they're hanging out with friends or, you know, just something more complex. So you build yourself up to that. Like you like first establish your breathing, like without anyone around. Um, Like you should basically like until you master breathing, you shouldn't hang out with anybody Um, because they're just going to interrupt you. (laughs) Yeah, but once you've, I think the first thing you do is like spend a long time alone, and you probably did this. You had to spend a long time alone just to like get your breathing pattern down. Then you did little actions here and there. Like, so the first thing you did for a while, and I don't know if you did this. This is how I did it. I was like, I'm just going to spend all no, I did this. for week. sure. Yeah, like I'm just not going to hang out with anyone. I'm just going to fucking breathe I'm, I, I one time I just like watched TV all day watched like five movies and I was just like I mean I went to the theater and I had like this um, breathing counter and I was like counting how many times I breathed and I was like trying to get up to a certain number I was like I'm going to get up to 5,000 today you know and just and I was just like my finger on this thing, just countering, countering. And I was just doing all kinds of, I mean, trying to figure out different ways just to like train my unconscious self to take deep breaths. 
Then I started doing more complex actions. Pretty soon I could do anything, hang out with anyone, and it doesn't matter. Like somebody who's shouting at me in my face, like I'm breathing perfectly fine. Uh, so that's a huge insulation against. But I also found that the diet was very difficult when I was eating carbohydrates to maintain that. Like I would inevitably like get shaken off it very much more often. So the keto kind of lifestyle like was very key for that. And the fasting and just maintaining a, a low-carb diet, a no, basically a no-carb diet. Um, you, you know, you can't avoid certain, but like anything that's going to swing your blood sugar like dramatically is just out. It's just not worth it. It's just like you're so much better off. So the first thing you got to do is kind of like get that thing out. Like you, you, we can talk about breathing till we're literally just blue in the face. No pun intended. But <laughs> the idea is that there is no way to get there like without a diet change. Um, if you try to do it without the diet change, you're gonna you're gonna have limited success. You will have some. It just makes the work ten times harder. Now, you can have fun now and then. I personally think that people who cheat in terms of eating, like they're like, oh, sometimes they'll have the thing. I mean, you're just gonna have to, like you, like what happened with you? You ate the bread and then you saw what it was doing to you before it actually did it. You know, mm. that. You know, you can learn from that, but why do? Why even deal with it, right? Yeah, I think the I don't know. We we have a thing with mouth pleasure that seems to uh, override all the senses. It's uh, it's crazy, but if if you if you take out all that stuff, you know for a decent amount of time, let's say two weeks, and then you go back and you have that little piece of bread, it's much easier to recover from that physically and emotionally than if you never did it all. And you're just, it's like you're just constant, constantly layering on different, different layers of emotions. And once you remove all the layers and then you just put one layer on, it's super easy to take that one layer off. Right, right. Because, yeah, when you're just, like, living a, a very carbohydrate-rich diet, you're just, like, creating all these different crisscrossing emotions. You can't keep track of them. Like, uh, so, yeah. And, and it's weird how that's how our body interprets low blood sugar. Like, it interprets it as a thought. It's usually a negative thought. And it's it just comes into our head, and we think it's reality. And it it's a great um, it's a great way to understand it is just to say like, all right, we were not suited to this, like just we didn't develop genetically to eat this way. 
And we are one of the oldest species, really. I mean, we've been walking this earth in different forms for a long time. This intelligent version of ourselves. Now, when you look at the immortality thing, and you try to explain that to somebody, do you? First of all, do you try? I've kind of. I do. I don't care. I I, I, just, I used to. I, I used to, um, but it's like you were saying earlier, and it's even in the book I'm reading right now that I was I was showing you over the text, um, they say you can't, you can't force anyone into the life. You can't, you know, you can't preach it. You, all you can do is just act and just, you know, just, just show by your actions. And you can drop hints and stuff just by how you respond or whatever, but people got to get there on their own. You know, I, I chose... I got here because I chose this for myself. I, I wanted to grow. I wanted to dive deeper into myself. It was a self-realization journey that I've been on forever. Um, some people are, don't don't ever want to take that. Do you notice anybody else, though, seriously talking about this physical immortality? No. <laughs> Yeah. I no, was surprised because, no. like, I'm like, why wouldn't we want to talk about that? Like, but what you this... said about the about Jesus and uh, or not Jesus about the Bible and how you know people lived to like 300 Abraham and all these guys like because they weren't eating the shit that's in all our food and it makes sense and I, I thought about it and I'm like that that actually might be a thing if that was a hundred percent of the time, you know, or at least 99.9% of the time, if you were on it, you could, you could possibly do that, you know? Well, it's, that's one thing. I mean, these people lived like 900 and people are like, Oh, well, that's not literal. And I'm like, well, what, I mean, how did it get to that number? <laughs> yeah. What, like, oh, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, but it just, it's like of all the things in the Bible, like that, I always found that to be the most shocking thing and nobody even gives a shit about it. It's so funny how occluded, that's why occult is such a great term. It it means covered up and it just shows, it means like your mind covered up as well. It's like, if, if I was like trying to give the fascination of Christianity and Jesus to me, it's an immortality cult, cult centered around immortality, and and it always was, and that's why they hang, you know, they they crucified him because he was preaching something just like, what, <laughs> you know, everlasting life, like, did he say everlasting afterlife? No. <laughs> so he, he's saying like, look we there's no reason why we don't have to we can live forever now i think the components of living forever are you have to be a saint i think that's part of it 
you have to be a good person. You cannot yeah. be immortal and be bad. Just there's a, there's a combo of effects. Right. But I also think that you cannot be good if you're not in the bliss state. Like immortality requires the bliss state because then it will you're in the bliss state you always do the right thing. And even when you don't, you do the right thing in response to that. So well, on the physical level, you know, in the bliss state, you're all your cells are, are lit up. I picture them like all golden and kind of electrified. And, you know, that's literally embodying the reflection of your reality is your internal. And I feel like if you can can keep that root, you know, steady, it's the law of attraction takes over. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, you become a magnet for good things. Yes. And you, you, if you're feeling great, you become a magnet for, for people to feel great as well around you. That's what charisma is like. Some people have it in a negative way, but it's like it's the positive part of them that's shining through the negativity. Um, It's the bliss. Like that's what charisma is. It's like internal bliss. Some people have it like in spades. Some people like have it for like, you know, a few years in their life their heyday, but then they lose it or they they never knew what it was, you know, it was more unconscious than conscious, but they still had it and it attracted people to them. Some people it's drug induced and I don't care. It doesn't matter how you get there. As long as you realize that it doesn't have to be drug induced. <clears throat> I mean, drugs help. It feels it's like so a lot important. of those people are in those temporary bliss states just based off of how they've wanted their life to go. And in that moment, it's maybe going and down that path. But you you hear, you know, stories of billionaires and whatever. You just the common thing that, like, even super rich people are, you know, can be super miserable. And I, I think about that all the time and it's, you know, you can obviously think, oh, they're not being grateful for what they got. They're either taking it all rather than trying to give or whatever. But, you know, I think the, the bliss state is its own, like almost its own life. Like I'll go back to that, like the, the past, and it's like the bliss state is that one path. Everything else is every other detour ever made. And right, we just we love taking detours, and it's we we just don't we just haven't been taught, man. We just we haven't right. been haven't been shown. Well, we haven't shown that the bliss state is a doorway inside your mind. It's not it's not yes. out there. You're not going to get it from external worlds. You're going to get it right. by 
opening it, like opening the door in your mind. Uh, and you, the only way you can open the door in your mind is to be present in the moment without like the chattering mind interrupting your vision of the world. Your mind should be a tool that you use consciously, but never something that runs unconsciously. And so once you you remove the unconscious chatter, you start to see the bliss. It's just right there. It's not it's not a mysterious thing. It's just covered up. Like you were saying, the layers of emotion you have to like cut through just to get to it. It's like it's there. It's just there's this this cloud of of emotions just like blocking it, and that cloud of emotions is your is your non um, is your is your non conscious thought processes. So we understand that that like you can't find immortality, physical mortality. Like this is anti aging immortality to the point where it's not so much that like we have the technology right now to make us live forever and that we can like now I believe that what happens is that as you walk around and stay breathing and stay in the bliss state you start to enter a society where it is it does become mental mental fact that everybody's immortal. Even evil people. I mean, they figure out some crazy thing because if you think about it, like for evil people, being immortal is hell. <laughs> it's not something that's like a good thing. Um, for evil people, they're, you know, they have to go through so much hell to finally come back and realize holy shit like I gotta straighten up I mean that's what hell is for right so your your trajectory that's the double meaning of immortality is that you can't escape <laughs> like you can't die and then go away like you can't commit suicide because if you commit suicide, you're just going to wake up tomorrow in a parallel universe where you didn't commit suicide. You know, maybe having dreamed that you did. You cannot escape. I invite people to try to blow their head off. No, I don't. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> if you did, guess where you'd be? You'd be right back here. You, wouldn't re you probably won't remember that you blew your head off. Now you might end up halfway here, halfway there. You, the worst thing to me is, you know, getting crippled. Right? It's like you're kind of in between worlds. That's a real reminder to breathe. <laughs> like yeah. if, if you become crippled, like that's all you're here to do now. Like it's kind of like the pressure's off you, man. Like you can just breathe and breathe and breathe. And guess what? You might breathe so deeply that you wake up and your legs work again. Like you, it's like 
and you never were crippled. It could happen. I mean, you don't know what changes when your breathing gets to a certain level. You just, you kind of feel that it's different, but you don't see the change. That's what's like, that's why it's really hard to teach this stuff to people because like they they won't be able to see the progress. Like you've seen it, which is, that's kind of why I'm interested in talking to you because it's like, you were able to see the change without seeing the miracles, you know, because I'm, look, there's no question you've, by doing what you've doing for seven years and breathing deeply, you have changed not only your future, but you've also changed your past. Do you recognize that? Do you understand what I mean when I say that? I understand the future. When you say the past, I just think of, you know, like the ancestral lineage and no, no, you've changed your past. Like your, your past is not static. You're, you're the, the way you, we're not lin in going in linear time from past to future. We're not. Right. We're, we're, we're actually a sun that is, is is emitting rays into the past and emitting rays into the future and emitting rays into the present right so if the shiner right. you the the more you shine right now in the moment it affects your past too it, your past like changes it's weird like so it's not a static thing it's like Oh, so some really bad shit. Let me just put it this way. Some really bad shit happened to you in the past that you don't even remember now. That actually changed. Like you affected it. Like by being so positive now, you've actually erased that horrible thing in your past and now you don't even remember it. Your mind is like changing with the past. So like, Whenever you change something in your past, that's why, you know, people have horrible pasts. Like, you can breathe your way to change it. Like, it's not, it's not static. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, the past thing that I, I keep referencing. It's like, I almost see it as, not like you're, well, kind of like you're realigning back to that singular path but right let's just say the seven years all the years before i started doing this let's just say that was the non-bliss state path in the last seven years by realigning it's like i was always on it is that what you're saying right like in the sense that in order to come to this you had to have felt the lack of it before. Yes. But not only that, though, like certain things that drove you to where you are, to where you like, like, let's just put it this way. 
if you compared the the different paths of like the past of of your person before seven years ago, your two paths are different now. And I and it's hard for me to uh, to explain it, but it's just like the past is malleable. It, it is because I think there it are helps, parallel worlds. It helps visualize if you if you think about the future at the same time when you say past. For me, at least. Okay. I mean, let's put it like this. There, you acknowledge that there are different futures, right? Like there's different parallel futures where you go this way or you go that way, right? Well, it's the same is true of the past. There were, there were parallel pasts where this thing, this horrible thing that happened to you did not happen to you. And if you're acting positively into the future, you get rewarded by certain things in your past that you didn't like getting erased. Like, either erased or justified. Either erased or like, oh, that had to happen so that I had to get to this. And you kind of see it in a different well, this perspective. Is, this is how I think they're like tied together. It's, it's, it's like my experience this weekend with the job opportunity. It's almost as though, because, you know, that a day or two before that I hadn't done any of my self work just because I was out and about, but, you know, two weeks, three weeks, all before that I, I was working on it and it feels like, man, I don't know. It just feels like I was very aware in that moment when I made that choice and it, it almost felt like it was I was guided to just make that decision to stay in the bliss path, even though it it looked like I was steering off, and that was that could have been the bliss path, but just through my own reflection and stuff it it seems like I've just been continuing on it, even though the experience based off my previous projections of what I think like failure is regarded that as a negative experience. And I didn't take it as like, Oh, you're still on the path. I thought I like veered off the path for a day or two when really I was just still on it. Cause I'm right. back here now. Right. Well, that's a, that's a way to, but the thing is, is that let's just say you really thought that, you would have liked to give this thing more of a chance than you gave it. But the moment's gone, right? It's not like you can you can actually do that now because you didn't make the decision. Well, breathe yourself into the world where you did. Breathe yourself into the world where you gave the guy more attention, you were more open, you... Visualize it and breathe. And sometimes, what if I what if I don't really want that though? Well, if you don't, you don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's just say you did. Okay. You can get there. Is my point. And so, what does that do? That effectively changes your past because that means that you did something different than what you did. 
and you can make yourself in the while you're while you're acting in the future depending on your positivity level and your breath level you can actually like effectuate a different history for yourself as well as a different future so that's what's crazy it's because those paths also exist for you to go to um and and that's like a tremendous power because you're just like hey i can bring people back from the dead i can um i can change something that i did in the past <laughs> like instead of i can just meditate on it and be like i should have done this I accept that I didn't do it. It's not like you're resisting. It's not resistance. You're just saying, I want to be in the world where I went that way. Let me see what that looks like. Let me see what that world looks like. And you just keep breathing on it, breathing on it, breathing on it. And then like one day you wake up there. And um, then it turns and to a dream. And the other, the other realities turn to dreams. The other pasts are just, yeah, you dreamed it. You didn't really, it wasn't your past. And dreams are themselves parallel universes that you're experiencing. You know, they seem so familiar. You notice how familiar they are. Right. Like, they don't seem like you're, you're not like, where am I? You're like, oh yeah, I'm here. And and it seems so familiar. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. (laughs) Right. And it's very familiar. And like, you'll, you'll talk to people in your dream that you've never met before that you know, like as personally, and you'll be like, wow, that's crazy. But it's just, that's the way it is. Like you're, you're merging with all your other parallel selves when you're in your dream state. So you're naturally going to live some of their lives and their lives have different pasts because it has to. So that's the real time. Well, it kind of feels like, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like when you were saying, you know, you can breathe your way back into that desired reality or whatever, you, you ever have the feeling of when you can't remember a memory if it's a dream or if it actually happened? Of course. So it's it's like, do you think those two are intertwined somehow? Absolutely. They are. Yeah, I think your memory is a tricky thing. Like a lot of times our memories don't always match. And in fact, most of the time our memories don't match what really happened. Um, but I think ultimately like your if you, if your brain didn't adjust with the miracle, you would go insane. And I think that, people who do see miracles are like they are driven insane by them to a certain extent. So it's like you should consider yourself lucky that you're not seeing these miracles that have been happening to you. Like what's your definition of a miracle? I'm saying like yesterday you may have been, you may have not been able to move your legs but you but you accepted it you took deep breaths and then today you're walking but and that's mm-hmm. a miracle right but you mm-hmm. but your brain changed with the the reality 
So you don't you don't think it's a miracle that you're walking, but because you don't remember that you were crippled, and that's that's the mir- that those kind of miracles are happening all the time, especially if you're on the ascent in terms of bliss state. Those type of miracles are manifesting continually, but you're not seeing them and you're not appreciating them because you don't know that they're happening. You, your brain can't see it, but they are. And and there's all these, and, and that's how any time you have adversity, like, and you understand that, you can kind of just say, hey, look, this doesn't even have to be real. This could be something that I breathe myself out of. Can't, or either way, I'm going to breathe myself into a bliss state and deal with it, or I'm going to breathe myself out of it. I'm going to breathe myself. I mean, that's exactly what psychedelics are like. <laughs> I guess. For real. It's like you have that moment of, I can freak out right now, or I can make this a beautiful moment. Right. And so that's just, that's where I'm, I'm headed with. But anyway, we should wrap it up here. Um, we'll talk All good. again. Yeah, and, man. Thanks uh, for uh, having me on again. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again. Um, I hope that people are helped by it. And uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Have a great night. You too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.